0: Section six of Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, An American Slave, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, An American Slave, written BY HIMSELF. CHAPTER Six. ARRIVAL AT LOUISVILLE, KENTUCKY. EFFORTS TO SELL ME. FORTUNATE ESCAPE FROM THE MAN-STEALERS IN THE PUBLIC STREET. I RETURNED TO BEDFORD, KENTUCKY. THE RESCUE OF MY FAMILY AGAIN ATTEMPTED. I STARTED ALONE, EXPECTING THEM TO FOLLOW. AFTER WAITING SOME MONTHS, I RESOLVED TO GO BACK AGAIN TO KENTUCKY. When the boat arrived at Louisville, the day being too far spent for them to dispose of me, they had to put up at a hotel. When we left the boat, they were afraid of my bolting from them in the street, and to prevent this, they took hold of my arms, one on each side of me, gallanting me up to the hotel with as much propriety as if I had been a white lady. This was to deceive the people, and prevent my getting away from them they called for a bedroom to which i was conducted and locked within that night three of them lodged in the same room to guard me they locked the door and put the key under the head of their bed i could see no possible way for my escape without jumping out of a high three-story house window it was almost impossible for me to sleep that night in my peculiar situation i passed the night in prayer to our heavenly father asking that he would open to me even the smallest chance for escape the next morning after they had taken breakfast four of them left me in the care of dan lane he was what might be called one of the watchdogs of kentucky there was nothing too mean for him to do he never blushed to rob a slave mother of her children no matter how young or small he was also celebrated for slave selling kidnapping and negro hunting He was well known in that region by the slaves as well as the slaveholders, to have all the qualifications necessary for his business. He was a drunkard, a gambler, a profligate, and a slaveholder. While the other four were looking around through the city for a purchaser, Dan was guarding me with his bowie-knife and pistols. After a while the others came in with two persons to buy me. But on seeing me they remarked that they thought I would run away and asked if i had ever run away dan sprang to his feet and answered the question for me by telling one of the most palpable falsehoods that ever came from the lips of a slaveholder he declared that i had never run away in my life fortunately for me dan while the others were away became unwell and from taking salts or from some other cause was compelled to leave his room off he started to the horse-stable which was located on one of the most public streets of louisville and of course i had to accompany him he gallanted me into the stable by the arm and placed himself back in one of the horse stalls and ordered me to stand by until he was ready to come out at this time a thousand thoughts were flashing through my mind with regard to the propriety of trying the springs of my heels which nature had so well adapted for taking the body out of danger even in the most extraordinary emergencies I thought, in the attempt to get away by running, if I should not succeed, it could make my condition no worse, for they could but sell me, and this they were then trying to do. These thoughts impelled me to keep edging towards the door, though very cautiously. Dan kept looking around after me as if he was not satisfied at my getting so near to the door, but the last I saw of him in the stable was just as he turned his eyes from me. I nerved myself with all the moral courage I could command, and bolted for the door, perhaps with the fleetness of a much-frightened deer, who never looks behind in time of peril. Dan was left in the stable to make ready for the race, or jump out into the street half-dressed, and thereby disgrace himself before the public eye. It would be impossible for me to set forth the speed with which I run, to avoid my adversary, i succeeded in turning a corner before dan got sight of me and by fast running turning corners and jumping high fences i was enabled to effect my escape in running so swiftly through the public streets i thought it would be a safer course to leave the public way and as quick as thought i spied a high board fence by the way and attempted to leap over it the top board broke and down i came into a hen-coop which stood by the fence The dogs barked, and the hens flew and cackled so that I feared it would lead to my detection before I could get out of the yard. The reader can only imagine how great must have been the excited state of my mind while exposed to such extraordinary peril and danger on every side. In danger of being seized by a savage dog, which sprang at me when I fell into the hen-coop. In danger of being apprehended by the tenants of the lot, In danger of being shot or wounded by any one who might have attempted to stop me a runaway slave and in danger on the other hand of being overtaken and getting in conflict with my adversary with these fearful apprehensions caution dictated me not to proceed far by daylight in this slave-holding city at this moment every nerve and muscle of my whole system was in full stretch and every facility of the mind brought into action striving to save myself from being recaptured. I dared not go to the forest, knowing that I might be tracked by bloodhounds and overtaken. I was so fortunate as to find a hiding-place in the city which seemed to be pointed out by the finger of Providence. After running across lots, turning corners and shunning my fellow-men as if they were wild ferocious beasts, I found a hiding-place in a pile of boards or scantling, where I kept concealed during that day. No tongue nor pen can describe the dreadful apprehensions under which I labored for the space of ten or twelve hours. My hiding-place happened to be between two workshops, where there were men at work within six or eight feet of me. I could imagine that I heard them talking about me, and at other times thought I heard the footsteps of Daniel Lane, in close pursuit. But I retained my position there until nine or ten o'clock at night, without being discovered. After which I attempted to find my way out, which was exceedingly difficult. The night being very dark, in a strange city among slaveholders and slave-hunters, to me it was like a person entering a wilderness among wolves and vipers, blindfolded. I was compelled from necessity to enter this place for refuge under the most extraordinary state of excitement, without regard to its geographical position. I found myself surrounded with a large block of buildings which comprised a whole square built up mostly on three sides, so that I could see no way to pass out without exposing myself perhaps to the gaze of patrols or slave-catchers. In wandering around through the dark, I happened to find a calf in a backyard, which was bawling after the cow. The cow was also lowing in another direction, as if they were trying to find each other. A thought struck me that there must be an outlet somewhere about, where the cow and calf were trying to meet. I started in the direction where I heard the lowing of the cow, and I found an arch or tunnel extending between two large brick buildings, where I could see nothing of the cow but her eyes, shining like balls of fire through the dark tunnel, between the walls, through which I passed to where she stood. When I entered the streets, I found them well lighted up, my heart was gladdened to know there was another chance for my escape no bird ever let out of a cage felt more like flying than i felt like running before i left the city i chanced to find by the way an old man of color supposing him to be a friend i ventured to make known my situation and asked him if he would get me a bite to eat the old man most cheerfully complied with my request I was then about forty miles from the residence of William Gatewood, where my wife, whom I sought to rescue from slavery, was living. This was also in the direction it was necessary for me to travel, in order to get back to the free north. Knowing that the slave-catchers would most likely be watching the public highway for me, to avoid them, I made my way over the rocky hills, woods, and plantations, back to Bedford. I traveled all that night— guided on my way by the shining stars of heaven alone the next morning just before the break of day i came right to a large plantation about which i secreted myself until the darkness of the next night began to disappear the morning larks commenced to chirp and sing merrily pretty soon i heard the whip crack and the voice of the ploughman driving in the cornfield about breakfast time i heard the sound of a horn "'saw a number of slaves in the field with a white man, "'who I supposed to be their overseer. "'He started to the house before the slaves, "'which gave me an opportunity "'to get the attention of one of the slaves, "'whom I met at the fence before he started to his breakfast, "'and made known to him my wants and distresses. "'I also requested him to bring me a piece of bread if he could "'when he came back to the field. "'The hospitable slave complied with my request.' he came back to the field before his fellow laborers and brought me something to eat and as an equivalent for his kindness i instructed him with regard to liberty canada the way of escape and the facilities by the way he pledged his word that himself and others would be in canada in less than six months from that day this closed our interview and we separated i concealed myself in the forest until about sunset before i pursued my journey and the second night from louisville i arrived again in the neighborhood of bedford where my little family were held in bondage whom i so earnestly strove to rescue i concealed myself by the aid of a friend in that neighborhood intending again to make my escape with my family this confidential friend then carried a message to melinda requesting her to meet me on one side of the village we met under the most fearful apprehensions for my pursuers had returned from Louisville, with the lamentable story that I was gone, and yet they were compelled to pay three hundred dollars to the Cincinnati slave-catchers for recapturing me there. Daniel Lane's account of my escape from him looked so unreasonable to slaveholders that many of them charged him with selling me and keeping the money, while others believed that I had got away from him and was then in the neighborhood, trying to take off my wife and child, which was true lane declared that in less than five minutes after i run out of the stable in louisville he had over twenty men running and looking in every direction after me but all without success they could hear nothing of me they had turned over several tons of hay in a large loft in search and i was not to be found there dan imputed my escape to my godliness he said that i must have gone up in a chariot of fire for i went off by flying and that he should never again have anything to do with a praying negro great excitement prevailed in bedford and many were out watching for me at the time melinda was relating to me these facts the excitement was then so great among the slaveholders who were anxious to have me recaptured as a means of discouraging other slaves from running away that time and money were no object while there was the least prospect of their success i therefore declined making an effort just at that time to escape with my little family melinda managed to get me into the house of a friend that night in the village where i kept concealed several days seeking an opportunity to escape with melinda and francis to canada but for some time melinda was watched so very closely by white and by colored persons both day and night that it was not possible for us to escape together they well knew that my little family was the only object of attraction that ever had or ever would induce me to come back and risk my liberty over the threshold of slavery therefore this point was well guarded by the watch-dogs of slavery and i was compelled again to forsake my wife for a season or surrender which was suicidal to the cause of freedom in my judgment the next day after my arrival in bedford daniel lane came to the very house wherein i was concealed and talked in my hearing To the family about my escape from him out of the stable in louisville he was near enough for me to have laid my hands on his head while in that house and the intimidation which this produced on me was more than i could bear i was also aware of the great temptation of the reward offered to white or colored persons for my apprehension i was exposed to other calamities which rendered it altogether unsafe for me to stay longer under that roof one morning about two o'clock i took leave of my little family and started for canada this was almost like tearing off the limbs from my body when we were about to separate Melinda clasped my hand exclaiming oh my soul my heart is almost broken at the thought of this dangerous separation this may be the last time we shall ever see each other's faces in this life which will destroy all my future prospects of life and happiness for ever at this time the poor unhappy woman burst into tears and wept loudly and my eyes were not dry we separated with the understanding that she was to wait until the excitement was all over after which she was to meet me at a certain place in the state of ohio which would not be longer than two months from that time i succeeded that night in getting a steamboat conveyance back to cincinnati or within ten miles of the city i was apprehensive that there were slave hunters in cincinnati watching the arrival of every boat up the river expecting to catch me and the boat landing to take in wood ten miles below the city i got off and walked into cincinnati to avoid detection on my arrival at the house of a friend i heard that the two young men who betrayed me for the three hundred dollars had returned and were watching for me one of my friends in whom they had great confidence called on the traders after he had talked with me and asked them what they had done with me their reply was that i had given them the slip and that they were glad of it because they believed that i was a good man and if they could see me on my way to canada they would give me money to aid me on my escape my friend assured them that if they would give anything to aid me on my way much or little If they would put the same into his hands, he would give it to me that night, or return it to them the next morning. They then wanted to know where I was, and whether I was in the city. But he would not tell them. But one of them gave him one dollar for me, promising that if I was in the city, and he would let him know the next morning, he would give me ten dollars. But I never waited for the ten dollars. I received one dollar of the amount which they got for betraying me, and started that night for the north. Their excuse for betraying me was that catching runaways was their business, and if they had not done it, somebody else would. But since they had got the reward, they were glad that I had made my escape. Having traveled the road several times from Cincinnati to Lake Erie, I traveled through without much fear or difficulty. My friends in Perrysburg, who knew that I had gone back into the very jaws of slavery after my family, were much surprised at my return, for they had heard that I was recaptured. After I had waited three months for the arrival of Melinda, and she came not, it caused me to be one of the most unhappy fugitives that ever left the South. I had waited eight or nine months, without hearing from my family. I felt it to be my duty, as a husband and father, to make one more effort. I felt as if I could not give them up to be sacrificed on the bloody altar of slavery. I felt as if love, duty, humanity, and justice required that I should go back, putting my trust in the God of liberty for success. End of chapter six. Recording by James K. White. Chula Vista.